I used to watch Keith Olbermann on MSNBC all the time before the election. In fact, I did nothing but watch television, you know, the run-up to the election, because I saw it was the difference between the end of the world and the beginning, perhaps, of something new. All right? It did have that feel. Yes, it did. And I never forget the time that Keith Olbermann took President Bush to task. He looked into that camera and basically called him a fascist. Just just and he was straightforward it wasn't attitude he was angry but it was without attitude and i went you go keith (laughs) anyway he has named rush limbaugh his worst person in the world tuesday night for limbaugh's comments that oprah and president obama only succeeded because of their race quote uh these Quotes speak for themselves and for a diseased and failing mind, Olbermann said, introducing Limbaugh's comments. Because earlier on in the day, Limbaugh had said, um, uh, Obama wouldn't have been voted president if he weren't black. Somebody asked me over the weekend, why does somebody earn a lot of money, have a lot of money because she's black? It was Oprah. No, it can't be. Yes, it is. There's a lot of guilt out there. Sure, we're, we're showing we're not racist. We'll make this person wealthy and big and famous and so forth. If Obama weren't black, he'd be a tour guide in Honolulu, or he'd be teaching Saul Alinsky constitutional law or lecturing on it in Chicago. Uh, that, that this you know too much oxycotton. <laughs> yes, man. I think. Now, he's got to send. He's got to send his mate out to pimp better drugs for him. This guy is going. He's, he's <laughs> his gone. mind is gone. Yeah. Uh, um, so it, Keith got him. All it's, right. It's naked, ugly racism. It is the distillation of Rush Limbaugh's ugly view of our country. Olbermann said, and he ended with a plea to the Queen of Daytime Talk, Oprah, please crush this schmuck. <laughs> oh, I like that. Please crush this. Uh, he speaks for all of us. This is the third part of Ambassador Carl Eikenberry's secret cable of November 6, 2009, written to his boss, Hillary Clinton, the Secretary of State, on the uh, issue of counterinsurgency strategy, civilian concerns. More troops won't end the insurgency as long as Pakistan's sanctuaries remain. Pakistan will remain the single greatest source of Afghan instability so long as the border sanctuaries remain and Pakistan views its strategic interest as best served by a weak neighbor. There is reason to be encouraged by Pakistan's current military offensive in Waziristan, but the lasting result of this effort is still unclear. Nor does the Pakistan military action address the role of the Keita Shura, which has the most influence over the insurgency in southern Taliban strongholds, or the Haqqani network, the most lethal killer of allied troops and Afghan civilians. Until the sanctuary problem is fully addressed, the gains from sending additional forces may be fleeting. We are always looking for game changers. If we are looking for a strategic partner and military political moves likely to have decisive results, those must be in Pakistan. As we contemplate greatly expanding our presence in Afghanistan, the better answer to our difficulties could well be to further ratchet up our engagement with Pakistan. This memorandum summarizes my concerns about the counterinsurgency strategy now under consideration and my thoughts about other steps to achieve our goals. After our discussion at the Principals Committee this evening, I will follow up with a cable that will include specific recommendations. For now, I cannot support DOD's recommendation for an immediate presidential decision to deploy another 40,000 troops here. Madam Secretary, I would ask you to pass this assessment to the White House, if you deem it appropriate, in advance of the Principals Committee. Respectfully, 
Eikenberry. Johnny went to war after 10 to age of 17 Went to fight the devil 9,000 miles away In a land that Johnny never even heard of We got him fighting devils And every day We send another on his way Think his mama prays for her baby every day. Another demon makes his way every day. There's another devil. He's a Nobel uh, economist. He's clear thinking. He's compassionate. He's my man. And I have once before, and I am again going to read an um, op-ed piece of his from the New York Times in its entirety because it really sums it all up. It's called Punishing the Jobless. There was a time when everyone took it for granted that unemployment insurance, which normally terminates after 26 weeks, would be extended in times of persistent joblessness. It was, most people agreed, the decent thing to do. But that was then. Today, American workers face the worst job market since the Great Depression, with five job seekers for every job opening, with the average spell of unemployment now at 35 weeks. Yet the Senate went home for the holiday weekend without extending benefits. How was that possible? Well, Paul, I know it's hard to plumb the depths of the NOP. It's a dark, dangerous place to go. 
Okay, the answer, according to Paul, is that we're facing a coalition of the heartless, the clueless, and the confused. Nothing can be done about the first group, and probably not much about the second, but maybe it's possible to clear up some of the confusion. By the heartless, I mean Republicans who have made the cynical calculation that blocking anything President Obama tries to do, including or perhaps especially anything that might alleviate the nation's economic pain, improves their chances in the midterm elections. Don't pretend to be shocked. You know they're out there and make up a large share of the GOP caucus. By the clueless, I mean people like Sharon Angle, the Republican candidate for senator from Nevada, who has repeatedly insisted that the unemployed are deliberately choosing to stay jobless so that they can keep collecting benefits. Here's a sample remark. You can make more money on unemployment than you can going down and getting one of those jobs that is an honest job, but it doesn't pay as much. We've put in so much entitlement into our government that we really have spoiled our citizenry. Now, I don't have the impression that unemployed Americans are spoiled. Uh, Desperate seems more like it. One doubts, however, that any amount of evidence could change Ms. Angle's view of the world. And there are, unfortunately, a lot of people in our political class just like her.